Alright, welcome to episode 14 of the Breaking Balls podcast. You know, Bob, we said it on the last episode, we don't have a medical background, but here we are talking injuries, because NASCAR and NFL's got a ton of them. Oh, Adam, I went to the doctor today, and uh, I got a prescription. He said, I need a weekend of football and three doses of Talladega. Exactly what the head needs, I guess? Bob, did you call the Miami Dolphins doctors again? Uh-oh. everyone episode 14 of the breaking balls podcast we are fresh off of a shit show thursday night football adam we're not doctors like you said at the beginning but you know the sports that we love are forcing our hand once again to put on our medical hats hats and uh, uh i guess let's let's do it you got your uh you got your scrubs on yeah um i actually scrubbed into the podcast here today made sure i washed my hands nice and clean you know i uh, haven't really touched anything since just to be sure um, yeah, Bob, a lot of injuries, um, a lot of CT scans coming up for a couple of the athletes that, uh, we know and love in our favorite sports. Um, I guess we start with the game tonight. Um, obviously, you know, Bengals end up winning the game. Um, final scored what? 26, 27, Can't, 27, I believe 27, 27, 15. 15, right? Yep. There's the numbers. They're hard for me. Um, you know, you always want a medical doctor who you can trust with numbers, right? So, uh, you know. Really boding well for confidence. Starting the podcast off well here with already already regurgitated information wrong, everyone. Let's go. We're, this is the CE episode, if anything is. I, uh, I, I am not ahead. a smart man. Um, my head is not working. I have what they call celestial TE, and I cannot understand what's happening. Well, well, Adam, if you can't understand what's happening, I don't even want to fathom to think what Tua is understanding tonight because, I mean, that was bad. I mean, that was a scary sight. You saw him tense up. One of the worst things I've seen in, a, in the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, um, you know, we, we like to make light of a lot of situations on this show. You know, Bob and I deal with a lot with humor and stuff like that, but there's really nothing to joke about with Tua here. I mean, this was it was very scary to see him go down, especially what we saw last week. Um, you know, I, I have a really – we talked about it already, but I have a hard time believing there wasn't a head injury there. Um, tonight, very clearly a head injury, something going on with the neck. Obviously, you know, prayers for Tua. We got the update towards the end of the game that he was moving, maybe released, maybe flying home with the Dolphins tonight. All good news. Um, really good to hear, but a terrifying hit to watch, Bob. Yeah, watching it live, I saw him immediately hit and go, oh, there goes his back or you know, his head. or You saw him lock up. You knew immediately, thinking back to last week, when you saw him buckle up and that whole thing, where is he concussed, is he not? I think everyone with a brain can probably say there's at least some kind of worry for a head injury there. So, you know, coming into tonight, Miami even activated their third-string quarterback off of I, or, uh, practice squad just because you know, they were concerned about Tua making it through the game. And lo and behold, you know, didn't even make it through the first half. It just, you know, worst-case scenario, I think, all around for the league. For Miami, especially a franchise that's had some issues the last couple of years, uh, just, you know, not a good look for anyone here. Yeah, um, I just, you really feel for Tua, um, hasn't really been able to stay healthy 
for a lot, you know, a lot of parts of his career at this point. You Man, know, that's a, a trauma. The hip injury. I mean, all sorts of different things going on with Tua. Just, yeah, really praying that he's going to be okay and everything. Um, other than that, Bob, I mean, looking at the other side of the ball, the Bengals, Bengals played a very good game tonight. Um, Joe Burrow, you know, that offensive line looked very good. Joe Burrow had time. He was making some nice throws, um, ran the ball pretty well. Um, what you see from the Bengals that you like tonight? Yeah, you know, this was a, you look at their schedule coming up, probably a must-win game, especially with them being what, one and two in the hole already. You really couldn't afford to drop this one, and uh, they did enough. You know, like you said, they ran the ball, they controlled the game for the most part. It never really felt, even when Miami had chances to take the lead on drives, it just felt like Cincinnati had control of the game. They, you know, I don't know, just something about Joe Burrow tonight. He looked calm and cool, even though, you know, wasn't getting harassed too much. Still had a couple hits on him, but uh, found Jamar Chase a couple times, especially late. That run game looked pretty good tonight, too, with Mixon and P. Ryan. Yeah, 100%. Also hit T. Higgins on that deep ball. Um, yep. You know, we came up just short on the Breaking Bank Thursday night parlay tonight. Um, enemy of the podcast, uh, Tyreek Hill had ended up hitting the over on his receiving yards, and I don't think we quite got the uh, over, did we? No, I think we flirted with it, but I don't think we got quite there. Those were the two that didn't hit out of, I think, what, six legs? I mean, we did pretty darn good here, folks. I know, uh, you know, almost doesn't count in betting, but hey, if you drove with us, there was, there was a moment in the second half, early, late in the first half, where you thought, hey, maybe these guys might have just made me some money for the weekend, but, you know, hey, sorry. It was just ridiculous enough to work. I think a lot of what we thought about the game was gonna was gonna happen. A lot of the things did. I mean, we had the thirteen and a half over for the uh, for the Bengals in the first half, and that hit. Um, obviously, Chase Edmonds um, getting that touchdown at the end of the half. First half had the uh, had the over twelve and a half receiving yards. I mean, one of those things. We're gonna mess around and hit one of these one day, Bob. I'm telling you, we're we're getting close. We're starting to flirt with it. We're getting a hang on the league. Ride with us here. I promise. Stick in on the Breaking Bank podcast, the Breaking Bank, Breaking Balls podcast, Breaking Bank Parlay, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to hit at one point. I guarantee it. Your I loyalty, guarantee. your loyalty will be rewarded at some point, folks, and we will not forget it. Okay. Nope. Just. You know, don't forget about us when it hits too. That's the thing. Hey, you know, hey, just, you know, support your favorite co-host. Say it. We're not working for free over here. We are, but we're not. You know what I'm saying? This is a passion project, but my passion is making money. So, um, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some of those points if you end up. It's a it's a joint venture for Adam. Always, always a joint venture. Yeah, I mean, Adam. I mean, you know, kind of another snoozer of a Thursday night game if we really want to be quite honest here you know the league has had some not so great primetime games to start this year when you really look at it I mean I just it's gonna turn at some point you got to think but you know the competitiveness for these primetime games when all eyes are on these these teams hasn't really been that great of product so far well, at least this game was helpful for me, Bob, because of the colors on the uniforms. I mean, the Bengals coming out in those icy whites, the white helmets, um, and then obviously, you know, the teal, um, whatever, you, the aqua, whatever you want to call those uh, Miami Dolphins jerseys. That was a chef's kiss of a color combo there by the NFL. Um, really brought me back to pre-pandemic color rush. Just got me in the vibe, and we got another boring football game out of it. Um like you're saying, Bob, I don't have a lot of hope for this Thursday night spot because have you seen who's playing next week? 
I we have it's the Colts, uh, it's Colts someone yeah we have, Taylor what is no, it no we have the NFL equivalent of the Breeders Cup we have the Colts versus the Broncos so a uh, couple a lot of horses <laughs> running around um, we're gonna see if something can happen on Thursday night uh, we're gonna bet the ponies um, we're gonna ride you know as Russell Wilson said Broncos Nation let's ride. And, uh, you know, this QB matchup would have been great six years ago in the NFC. This would have been oh. Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman, you know, prime, prime midday afternoon on Fox, Matt Ryan versus Russell Wilson. And now it's like, okay, two guys that are, you know, really struggling, uh, you know, new teams. Uh, we get, we get Uncle Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, which I don't think we've talked about this, Adam, but I don't know about this combination. It's just, just weird, man. It's like, it's like your two favorite teachers in different subjects teaming up and like a field trip or something. And it's, I don't like it. I don't. I'm just going to say it is very clear that two of them, the two of them both received an absolute bag to be standing in that booth because Al Michaels does not give a shit what he's saying. He called Mike McDaniels Ted Lasso. He's given his two cents in between two plays and saying it's only worth one cent. I mean, my man's is going off in the booth, just doing his own thing. Al Michaels has, I mean, God bless him, man. He's been around for so long. He's called so many big sporting events. We're just keeping him alive at this point, just to make sure that we've got that big game voice. And uh, like you said, there's something about this this combination that's missing it for me. Um, I love Al Michaels, but old Herbie, man, I don't know if he, if it's just weird to listen to him talk about anything, but college football or what it is, but you know, yeah. Herbie's got to be tired too, man. That is a schedule going from Thursday night football prepping for that. Probably I would imagine on Tuesday, Wednesday, I imagine he's probably flying straight to college game day tonight. Cause they do Friday TV sh- shots there. And then, you know, Saturday, college game day, and then the game after wherever he's at. I mean, my man's got to sleep at some point, right? Yeah. Damn, Kirk. It's crazy, man. But back to the game really quick, Bob, because there was something that I was noticing all night um, as, you know, as the game was going on. But, you know, Miami runs a lot of zone scheme, um, a lot of uh, zone blocking up front, which means, uh, you know, for those of you that don't necessarily understand, they're kind of, as they're moving through their blocks, they're not, it's less about, your who your man is and more who your man is where what guy is in the space you are going to and that's kind of the zone blocking scheme the entire line moves in a single direction and the dolphins look like they've got it down pat right now i mean there was a couple plays obviously where you know the the Bengals defensive line especially the interior defensive lineman would win every now and again closest guy to the ball wins it's going to be tough to get the offense going but just to see what Miami has been able to do off of this zone scheme. I mean, just incredible the way they're able to move guys around. You saw it on the short touchdown pass where they, uh, where, you know, oh, wait, never mind. That was the Bengals when using zone scheme. But just, I love how Miami uses the zone scheme to get everybody off balance. And of course, the best example I thought of was the Bengals, but why not? You're just a fan of the zone scheme in general is what you're trying to say. I get you. I get you. No, it's okay. It was fun to watch. It was really cool to watch because Miami was doing it so well. And even Teddy Bridgewater kind of coming into a tough spot, really emotional spot in the game for a guy who has had injury troubles on his own. I mean, can't be easy for him to go <laughs> out on the field after seeing, you know, having the cart and everything like that. I mean, you got to feel for a guy like that, but you know, good on Teddy Bridgewater for coming to the game and really doing a good job stepping up. And that offense really didn't miss a beat. He, Threw for a good amount of yards. 
I was going to say, if you have a backup quarterback in the league, if you had your choice, Teddy Bridgewater's got to be one of those guys. I mean, come, overcome so much adversity. has seen so much in his career, going back from Louisville to the Vikings days. I mean, those were that Vikings career was a roller coaster. I mean, that guy has, has seen it all. So, I mean, he looked like he was ready for the moment tonight. It was great to see. He's just a feel-good story, Teddy Bridgewater. So, was glad to see him not just, you know, come in and be that typical backup quarterback where they kind of have to limit the playbook. They let him sling the ball and, you know, Credit to credit to McDaniel, you know, didn't really change game plan around. Yeah, I was just going to say the old Wonder Boy kind of keeps things going. Um, even in a loss, pretty impressed with this Miami team, especially, you know, all things considered with the two injury and stuff like that. Um, can't really hang your head too bad on this loss. The Bengals are a good football team. They were in the Super Bowl last year. Seems like everything just kind of went right for the Bengals today. And, you know, just wasn't the Dolphins day offensively and. There's the football game in a nutshell. Yeah. The, uh, one thing I want to touch about before we move on from this ad, just, you know, the Tua thing. You know, we talked about the Dolphins, the staff, you know, inept. You know, there's no excuse for this. You know, this team just got punished in the offseason for the, you know, tanking scandal, the Brian Flores stuff, you know, whatever you want to focus on there. Most of it was pretty unfound, but there was still enough to take a couple draft picks away. Uh, you know, the competitiveness, I think they were talking about the integrity for the Dolphins the last couple of years. So, you know, they have not found a lot of wiggle room to, you know, get away with stuff like this already. I, this is not something they need, you know, another investigation, you know, player safety. Tua is, we don't know how Tua is going to be moving forward. He may never play again. He may play next week. I, you know, I don't want to speculate here, but, you know, that's someone's life. That's someone's health long-term, not just football. They can't afford something like that. They can't afford to have any sort of, you know, scandal or anything like that because there's already stuff that's been going on with the Dolphins the last couple of years. So just I don't know, something just to keep in mind there, Adam. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point there, Bob, because this is at that point when you're talking about head, head injuries and things like that, you're talking more long-term effects and it's guys, you know, effect on their livelihood. And they're, like you said, the life after football is now, you know, we understand so much more about these injuries. Um, personally, I would have a very hard time believing that in today's modern climate, that there is an NFL team doctor who would be willing to push it, especially if it came to a head injury. Um, that being said, we'll see the investigation. Um, I'm really hoping for the Dolphins' sake, like you're saying, that there's no more controversy or anything surrounding this, that, you know, it actually did turn out to be some sort of, you know, neck or back injury and there was no head component. Because if so, that just makes tonight's injury so much scarier because it could be a reconcussion injury. And, you know, that's not not a situation you want to be in to get another concussion when you already have one because it's a medical nightmare. But prayers for Tua. That's really all we can say. Yep. Nope. And add, you know, talking about head injuries, it just seems to be the constant theme here. I guess we can make a smooth transition, if you will. Uh, it seems like a good segue for NASCAR because, you know, we've had some issues, obviously, with head injuries. I think something that we didn't even expect was the news today with Alex Bowman. You know, playoff driver, obviously 30 points down after his wreck last week at Texas, but you know, announcing today that he's not going to be racing this weekend because of his I get, have they announced if it's concussion or if it's just, you know... So, I guess the announcement is concussion-like symptoms. Okay. So, I think they're playing it incredibly safe. 
um, by just allowing him to kind of sit the week out and that type of thing. Because, I mean, like you said, NASCAR has no wiggle room here. They're they're really at a rock and a hard place with the safety debate and guys missing time. You know, first Kurt Busch and now Alex Bowman. Um, they got to figure out something with this car, Bob. I, I I don't I don't exactly know what the fix is, but I mean, it's pretty clear to you and I, even just as fans, without much of a an understanding of how the cars are built or anything, they got to change something because somebody's, I mean, it's, we're headed for something bad. No. And Alex Bowman has a dirt background. You know, he's been in some rough, rough wrecks before, you know, he came on the radio immediately after the wreck and said, that was probably the hardest hit of my life. He was shaken up on the radio, still finished the race, which I mean, says a lot about him, how tough he is, but you know, wasn't even that bad looking of wreck. He barely backed into the fence there, but you saw the in-car camera and his head jolts pretty violently a couple of times, actually. So I, I, I just, man, it's one of those things, Bob, that like, you know, like you said, I, I watched the wreck over again because, you know, obviously we texted each other when we saw the news today and I watched the wreck over again from the outside camera, like from just, you know, watching it from the outside. And I was like, okay, like that doesn't look like, it that. doesn't look bad. I'll be, it, 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 it looks nothing. Same thing as Kurt Busch at Pocono. It looks like he literally just backed the car into the wall. But then the second that we got the uh, in-car camera, the look at the in-car camera the first time, that wreck looks violent. Um, kind of made me think of the earlier one, the earlier in-car camera that sticks out to me is Daniel Suarez earlier in the year. Well, he was wrecking and he literally was almost trying to hold on to his helmet to keep his head in place. And it's just one of these things, man. We know the effects of these injuries. Why did NASCAR go to a car that is less safe and is going to see these risks of concussions and stuff like this for these, for these drivers? It just doesn't make any sense. And I don't know what the drivers are going to do from here, Bob, but I know you've got some interesting ideas of what's going to happen. Uh, you know, you said NASCAR thought this car was safe. They came out with this whole thing, you know, they did a lot of tests last off season and you know, during last season. And we heard drivers saying it was a very stiff car. They need to change it. You know, William Byron had that alleged concussion, a really bad wreck. And I believe it was Charlotte. I want to say Dover. I think it was Charlotte, but regardless, it's not like this was a shock to anyone that this car was stiff. Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick had some really choice words on Twitter today. If you haven't seen them, I would go look them out. But, you know, they were more or less saying that you know, we told you guys this was going to happen. And now people are going to get really hurt because of this. You know, Alex Bowman, again, no background really for head injuries or anything like that. Younger driver in his 20s. You know, that can't happen. That cannot happen. And so, add, I. I would not be shocked if the drivers get together here. You're seeing them pull together publicly finally the last couple of weeks, talk about the car, how pissed they are. I would not be shocked if they if they threatened at least about a strike. I would not. You know, um, I, 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 when you first started talking about it, Bob, I kind of thought you were crazy. And, you know, what what are they going to do? Strike? Because realistically, they're cup seats. And you it's would, extreme. And- it's an extreme. It's an extreme well, take it when you first hear it. And I agree. I agree. It's kind of one of those things that you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, they'll just fill the seats, that type of thing. But 
I think as you see guys like Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin come out publicly and say something, I don't think NASCAR understands how much impact those drivers have on the garage and the opinion in the garage. I think Kevin Harvick is truly the elder statesman in NASCAR right now to where what he says in the garage really goes for a lot of these young guys because they grew up watching him race. And if Kevin Harvick tells you there's something wrong with the race car, chances are there's something wrong with the race car. He's been in, he's been driving your race cars for, you know, the better part of three decades at this point. And I mean, I just don't understand there. NASCAR seems to have lost touch with the fact that these drivers are going out there and risking their lives every single time they get in the car. And it's almost being, they're almost being treated as if they're video game characters and that they're expendable in some way. And that's just not the case. And I, I, You don't want a tragedy or something like that to have to happen for the sport to realize that their most valuable commodity is these drivers, but it seems like they're headed this direction because I don't know what else any NASCAR driver has to do to be heard in this situation. I mean, it's ridiculous. Guys are getting hurt. Their drivers are identifying problems and NASCAR is just not allowing them to fix them. So I, I kind of, you know, it's extreme, Bob, and I, I don't, I, but I agree with you for the first time that I think we're headed in the direction. We're definitely headed there because as Kevin Harvick and more and more of these veteran drivers come out and say, you need to make this safer, I think young drivers are going to jump on board. These are, these are leaders in the garage, guys that have been around for so long, have seen it all. And the biggest thing, like we said just a couple seconds ago, like you touched on, this car is not shocking to anyone that it is stiff. This has been something that they knew was going to be a problem. And so to see, you know, someone like Alex Bowman get hurt, Kurt Busch get hurt, if that ends Kurt Busch's career, you know, that's a that's a shitty mark on this new car already. That's a, that's a really shitty mark. A massive black guy. I mean, I just I don't know what they do. But and like you said, you know, the older drivers are going to be the ones that take advantage or take rain here and, you know, say enough's enough and the younger drivers will follow. You already see younger drivers like Noah Gragson last week say, I don't want to race cup. And we'll talk about him in a second. He's actually filling in for Alex Bowman, ironically. But he said, I don't want to race cup this year anymore because I have a chance at winning Xfinity and a wreck in the cup car has a very good chance of hurting me and putting me out of the Xfinity championship. That is something that you cannot have a young driver who has every opportunity here to have a cup shot. They should be frothing at the mouth there. And instead, they're scared to get hurt. That's not good. Not good. And I I respect Noah Gregson for coming out and saying that because there's a lot of guys at his position that wouldn't dare say anything like that. And, you know, obviously it didn't affect Noah's future because, like you said, he got the call from old Mr. H. As soon as uh, as soon as we knew Alex Bowman wasn't in the 48, he gives uh, old Noah Gregson a call, says, hey, I need somebody to drive the 48. And Noah says yes. I mean, just a week after. You know, he says you wouldn't get in this cup car. I guess keep your words short and sweet because you may just have to eat them later. Um, Bob, what do you make of Noah Gregson driving the 48? You think he's got a shot at this thing? Call me crazy here. I I know it's a new car. And, you know, there's a lot to, to learn with. But Gregson ran really good. Was it? I think it was two weeks ago at Kansas. Uh, pretty darn good. I know last week at Can- or at uh, Texas, I think he ran in the car too for for calling their second car. But regardless, hasn't been terrible, and he's a he's hot as hell right now in the Xfinity series. Plate racing is kind of a crapshoot. I don't see why he wouldn't be in the thick of it up there. 
obviously it's going to get aggressive. I think the playoff drivers are going to try and, you know, push their way to the front, kind of bully their way to the front, especially toward the end of the stages. But no, Gregson's not afraid to be an aggressive driver, especially at plate races. He's already had a couple with Beard this year. He's had experience in that 62 car. So, Adam, I, I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't be a dark horse here, actually. You know, Bob, I tend to disagree with you. Oh, damn it. And here's why. Um, I think the problem is, is that you've got a guy who obviously you don't say no to Rick Hendrick if he calls you and asks you to drive his car, but you have a, you have in Noah Gregson, you have a guy who came out and flat out said, I don't want to drive this car. So what does this look like for Noah Gregson? What does, what does the strategy look like? Is he going to hang around in the back to kind of make sure he doesn't get hurt? Is he, you know, going to race run in the middle of the pack, try and get as much experience as he can at the cup level. And, you know, I think one of the more underrated things about him driving with these cup drivers is the other drivers are going to get more and more comfortable with him at a restrictor plate race. You know, a big part of restrictor plate racing is understanding what the guys around you are going to do. And just for, for Noah as a guy who's going to drive full-time in cup next year to kind of have this opportunity to get reps at, with familiarity with the Joey Logano's and Kyle Larson's and, and the, you know, the mainstays in the sport and, it's it will be very interesting to see where Noah ends up sorting himself out, given his comments. But I just think there's too many hungry playoff drivers that they're not going to let him win this Adam. race, Bob. I just don't think there's any way that Noah Gregson, Adam. unless unless there's something crazy that happens, which as we saw, restrictor plate racing kind of breeds that. But unless something nuts happens, Bob, I, I don't think Noah Gregson's going to get the win. Well. At the end of the day, Bob may or may not have just completely crapped out of this. So we're going to stop the podcast right now. We may have to clip this together. Um, I don't really know what's going on, but I guess uh, since we're here, bye. All right. Well, um, after... A little bit of time for an injury timeout. Uh, the Miami Dolphins medical staff has taken a look at Bob's internet and has cleared it for a return to play. So uh, no promises on how long it'll last. But, Bob, um, third world country internet, am I right? Uh, apparently, uh, apparently the total CT got into the router tonight. So, uh, add if I'm a little wobbly at times uh, for the rest of this podcast, hey, call Teddy Bridgewater. He's got me. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, I'll have to get Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe he can come do the podcast with me. But uh, before we stopped there, we were talking a lot about Noah Gregson and, you know, how he's going to fare at the super speedways and stuff like that. And maybe making the point that, you know, he does need this time to run a little bit in the Cup Series to kind of start developing this relationship with drivers at super speedways and stuff like that. Um, be very interesting to see Noah's strategy in the race this Saturday, or Sunday, sorry, not Saturday. Both, though. Both, though, it will. Oh, yeah. He is racing on Saturday in the Xfinity Series, of yeah, course. Yeah. Important little race for him, yeah. yeah, yeah. Little playoffs yeah, there, yeah. too. He's a little favorite, I guess, four in a row, yeah. Is that what they say? Something like four that. Mr. 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 September, I believe, was the name they were giving him. Listen, the guy is as hot as it gets in the NASCAR Series right now for any any level. I mean, he's, he's rolling, so... Like I said a little bit ago, it feels like an hour ago for the, the disconnect, but it was only about five minutes ago for y'all. Uh, I think Gregson's got a shot. He's in a competitive car. 
aggressive driver, if enough people get too wild in these stages ends where, you know, there's not that many around, hey, he's in a good car, hot driver, why not? Yeah, Especially 100%. the way this year's going. Yeah, 100%. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Noah Gregson, you know, emerge from his car at the end of the cup race with a little bit of puke on his fire suit and victorious. Who knows? I guess it's not crazy, Bob. You're right. He has been hot. He has been hot. Be very interesting to see what strategy he takes in the race, but definitely someone to keep your eye on. Bob, do you have any other drivers that, as we head into Talladega, that you're kind of watching a little bit closer? Yeah, you know, obviously everyone's going to be looking at the playoff drivers. I'm actually really curious to see Brad Keselowski. Uh, you know, great place, great plate racer. Uh, that team has gotten a lot better the last couple weeks. They're red hot, coming off of a couple of very competitive races, even a win for Chris Buescher. So. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see old, old number six in, uh, at the front at the end there. You know, Bob, I, uh, I'm i glad we're kind of on the same page because I, too, will be watching some Fords in the Sunday race. However, I think I'm going to be more focused on the Team Penske Fords. I think, you know, historically pretty dominant at these restrictor plate races. And I think now's the time you see them work together. I think Joey Logano's got a good car. I think, you know, you may even see Ryan Blaney get up in the mix. Austin Sindrick, another guy who's had some success at restrictor plate racetracks. Um, be very interesting to see, but I, I really think Penske's going to have a good shot at this. Um, I really, you know, I've got a lot of question marks around the Hendricks drivers, obviously. Um, with Larson and Elliot, just to see how they'll play the race and how things will go. But I, I really like these Penske Fords in this race, Bob. I, I think they've, they're going to put a real strong showing on the track. I think they've been the class of the field at all these restrictor plate races for historically, probably the last five, six years. So, you know, not far fetched at all there. I could definitely see it. Blaney is a great plate racer. Uh, just seems like he's always the bridesmaid at Daytona, but pretty darn good at Talladega. Uh, obviously Cindric. Heck of a driver, Daytona 500 winner. And then Joey Logano, the most aggressive driver out there. He's definitely – take the over on Joey Logano caused wrecks this weekend. That is for certain. He's going to block somebody into a wreck. I could see it happening for sure. Um, you know, there's a couple guys given the, you know, the point situation who I really think are going to have to be aggressive. Uh, top of that list, on, in my opinion, obviously Chris Bell driving the 20. And now because of the uh, – the delayed penalty that was uh, that was given out to old Will Byron, I think that's another guy who's going to have to be pretty aggressive. Uh, obviously, you know, we saw the incident with Denny Hamlin last week where under caution went up, um, you know, kind of got into the back of Denny and ended up putting Denny around under caution. Um, nothing, nothing really said about it at the time. Um, NASCAR later came out and said they didn't see it, which I think is a bigger problem, but... Bob, what are, what's your thought on this? Uh, think Byron meant to do this, or what, what's your opinion? No, definitely meant to do it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, did he mean to spin him? Probably no, but when you're going into somebody after the caution at speed at any point, if you're going to bump him, you got to know that there's going to be a chance for any kind of consequence there. So you put yourself in a bad position, a bad position is going to happen. And reap what you sow. Yeah, and I got to agree with that. I think, you know, Byron does have this a uh, little bit of a history of kind of this retaliation that may have gone a little too far. I can't remember what road course it was at a few years ago where uh, where he was trying to get into somebody, ended up wrecking himself. But um, just one of those things from a young driver that you, know, you really hope as as it goes on, he matures out of these types of things. 
especially because, man, was that a hefty point penalty. And, you know, the bigger issue, like I, I, I kind of mentioned it in my initial comments, but for NASCAR to flat out say, oh, we didn't see it, how? Because I wasn't at the race and I saw it maybe a couple minutes after on social media, on Twitter. From NASCAR social media. Exactly. And that's my question is that it's like, are you admitting that you're not paying attention to these races? If you're not paying attention, you're putting the races on. Who Who is? It happened on the front stretch in front of literally everyone in front of every camera, every official, every pit box. I mean, I just like you said, for for nobody in the whole entire organization from race control to catch that complete and failure and aptitude right there. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. And then like to throw up the old 14 year old boy defense, like the, Oh, it wasn't us. I don't know. Like, I mean, realistically you are the sanctioning body responsible for this driver, these drivers safety. And that's already being called into question and everything with all these issues that we talked about a little bit earlier. And this is just another thing, another brick in the wall, another thing to another, you know, another piece of junk to throw on top of the stack that, is really given all these people who have been very critical of NASCAR all year a lot of a lot of things to go off of. It's you know to throw in another metaphor, it's fuel to the fire. I mean, they're just constantly they're constantly doing things to make their detractors look more and more correct, and eventually you're going to start losing credibility. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it feels like that they've just lost so much momentum since that Daytona rain wreck. Uh, the last couple weeks, just they just can't get out of their own way. Tire issues, just things that just have no business really taking down a season that's been so darn good. Especially, well, I should say the regular season was incredible. Once we got to the playoffs, it's been a shit show. That's yeah. you know point blank. That's what it is. Yeah, and I mean, just you know, you love to see parity, but just to see that not a single playoff driver that has won any of these races. I mean, it, it's. NASCAR is definitely, we talked a lot about it last week, how Xfinity's kind of running the show at the moment. And, you know, I just, I, I, it's, it better be a busy off season for NASCAR because we, as a sport, they cannot take another season like this one to where so many of their fans are validly questioning what the heck they're going, what, what they're doing, what the heck's going on. Like Mm -hmm. it's frustrating as a fan because you don't know, there's no consistency. Ever. You never understand what is going to be a penalty, what isn't going to be a penalty, all sorts of different things. I just there there needs to be some structure. It needs to be transparent. And for some reason, NASCAR is insisting on doing a lot of this behind closed doors. And I just wish they would open things up and at least let their fans understand the process that is going on behind these decisions. Because right now, it just seems like they've got a dartboard in, in the office that they're just throwing things at and just hoping that the right punishment lands. Yeah, no, just needs to be a whole whole revamp. Need to to re look at everything from the top to bottom, and just you know, there's there's just so many things to improve on it. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, and and I think the the most obvious place to start, in my opinion, is you got to listen to your drivers. You have to, and you know those those voices are only going to get louder. Um, those voices are not going away. They all have their own platforms via social media and the Breaking Balls podcast. If any of them wants to come on here and complain, <laughs> we will gladly let you complain on this podcast. Come on, yeah, please by all means. Um, yeah, man, I, I just don't see NASCAR kind of throwing their hands up and back trying to back their way out of this. I, I don't. I think they're going to get their feet held to the fire here, and I I hope we get some substantial changes. No, I I do too. Um, 
Any other things to touch on for, for NASCAR this week, Ad? It's been a shit show, that's for sure. No, not really. Um, not a lot of good reasons to talk about NASCAR this week. No, nobody's really Mike Tyson at anybody's head in or anything interesting like that. We're just kind of stuck wishing that no. the cars wishing that the cars weren't Mike Tysoning people's heads, you know? I mean, if we're gonna Mike Tyson any heads, we might as well go to eleven v eleven Mike Tysoning for heads and uh, a little NFL action for the weekend. We uh yeah, I, Tua's body is now cold, I think, so we can finally talk more football. Uh, it's it's time. Uh, yep. Adam, do we want to start? Do we want to start in London, the early game? Well, why not? I say we do it. Adam agreed to do the London preview in a British accent. So Viking Saints, eight thirty in the morning, God's time, Central Time, six thirty a.m. on the West Coast. Vikings two and a half. Governor, it's all yours. Well, I'll tell you what, mate. It's going to remind me a lot about uh, waking up to watch old Tottenham Hotspur in the morning for Premier League Sundays. But I, I luckily will get up and watch a little bit of the 11-on-11 footy, American football, as you call it. Um, it seems as if you're sending us your finest delicacy in uh, one Kirk Cousins, I believe that is the name. Um, Oxford educated, I'm sure. And, you know, I think... Oh, Kirk Cousins will be a great adjustment for us English football fan, as Kirk doesn't seem to throw the ball forward. He's much like a rugby player, constantly throwing the ball sideways or backwards to his, I believe you call it a check-down receiver. And I believe Kirk Cousins will check all the way down to the south side of London and potentially get a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that who's there? No, it would be the Saints. We usually send the Jaguars because Shad Khan. But here we are. Yeah, you got New Orleans. You're gonna like it, London. You're gonna like yeah. it. Oh, you are gonna like it. Let, let me just say, this game does not deserve that much attention. I'll, I'll watch it in bed halfway, probably, while I'm watching F1. But I will say, whatever Kirk Cousins' prime time is, which is bad, I guess it's got to be the complete opposite, starting crack of dawn across the pond. So. Expect a 600-yard, seven-touchdown game from Kirk Cousins. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a Kirk Cousins record in this one. I mean, this is the perfect game that nobody will be watching. So Kirk Cousins is going to ball out. Um, take Minnesota. It just seems to make sense. I mean, you say nobody's watching. We're going to really test the, this theory here because down in Atlanta at noon, we're going to get to the noon games here. Cleveland is going down to Atlanta in a game that we have to mention at least. We don't have, Adam, 30 seconds is all you get. Browns-Falcons. Okay, well, Browns-Falcons, I think, you know, the main question you really got to ask is, you know, even though he is suspended, is Deshaun Watson going to be traveling with the team down to Atlanta? Because there's a little place that they call the Magic City down there that I believe our friend Deshaun Watson may or may not have a fun time frequenting. But um, that's about all I got for this game, Bob. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is an absolute elite-level backup quarterback. Um, love what he's doing in Cleveland. Um kind of has really taken over that role of the elite backup quarterback that you feel like you come back and, you know, win some games from uh, one Brian Hoyer or Axel Hoyer, which I'll, we'll explain a little bit later, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not watching this game. I'm, I'm going to it unless it pops up on the radio. Adam, you're going to be over 30 seconds, by the way, you're going to have to give your time up for the Eagles later. Go birds. <laughs> I will say, I think the Falcons are actually going to win this game. Marcus Mariota versus Jacoby Brissett. I watched that game in 2018 on primetime. Colts, Titans. It went Mariota's way. I'm going to say it again. Uh, 
that's about all I can say, though, because this game does not deserve any more of my attention. So, uh, NFC East, Adam, the other game, it's a boring-ass game if you ask me, but Commanders-Cowboys, Cooper Rush, Carson Wentz, you got anything, uh, any analysis for this legendary battle of quarterbacks? Now, um, just a missed opportunity to not send Carson Wentz across the pond um, would have been a really nice uh, little peace treaty there, maybe. I don't know, but old Prince Harry's not doing too well with the royal family at the moment. So maybe it was probably a smarter idea to leave this one in, in the old states. Um, Cooper Rush um, looking to lead the Cowboys to another victory. Um, really hoping to keep them in the I'm just kidding. I can't even say Cowboys in the playoffs. <laughs> it just Aww. ain't going to happen. These, these mother. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. I mean, this is the, this is literally the NFC least game. Uh, nobody wants to watch this game. I'm, you know, it's one of those things, Bob Cooper rush. Doesn't excite me. Dak Prescott is still selling me direct TV and Chunky's Campbell soup. And I will not, I, I'm not going to go against Campbell's. I, I got to support. I guess. I guess I'm picking the Cowboys in this one, but I don't know. Whatever. I'm going to actually say Carson Wentz has a day today. I think he's due for a good day in Washington. You know, the Cowboys, the Cooper Rush era. It's a one-off thing. I know, Ad. I know. But listen, Carson Wentz may be bad, but Cooper Rush after his first start is even worse. So, oh my God, Bob, we almost buried the lead here. Ginger Bowl. Ginger Bowl. Ginger Bowl. Ginger Quarterback Bowl. Not a single soul will be under center the entire game on Sunday in Dallas. I mean, that changes everything. I mean, what's what's the sun? It's indoors, right? So they want to watch the screen? Thank God it's indoors. Otherwise, oh. this would go very poorly for everyone. Yeah, this is a battle for uh, recessive gene supremacy as far as quarterbacks go. So um, good luck, fellas. Make sure you lather up in sunscreen and Hopefully you don't get any moon burns the night before. Well, Ad, let's keep the barn burners going. Uh, the NFC is just producing some wild ones this weekend. we got the Bears and the Giants. The Bears are going to New York. Justin Fields, Daniel Jones. Let me tell you what. The Giants actually have looked pretty decent so far this year under Brian Dable. I think that they're going to keep rolling because the Bears are not that good. They're a 2-1 and team that probably should be 0-3. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. Both of these two and one teams are not that good. And the, okay, fact that the, yeah. the fact that the winner of this game is going to be three and one is actually disgusting to me. I mean, the Bears, yeah. the Bears haven't shown you anything all year. Um, the Giants, I mean, they're playing hard for Dable. I, I just think that that team, as far as Daniel Jones, as long as Daniel Jones is under center, I just, they're so limited. I mean, Daniel Jones is legitimately like my academic career in high school. He does okay on most of the tests, but he's clearly not doing his homework and it is tanking his grade. <laughs> and it, it is one of these things to where he has all of the tools in the toolbox, but can't put any of them together at the same time. One of the worst internal clocks I've ever seen in a quarterback constantly takes sacks when he doesn't need to. I just think he limits this giants team so much that they otherwise seem to be building something uh, until they move on from Daniel Jones. I, I can't confidently say you should pick the Giants. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly. No, I mean, I just, I think that they've got the better coach right now. I guess I would take Daniel Jones over Justin Fields as far as quarterback progression. Although it's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, do you, do you think the bears are going to let Justin Fields play quarterback or are they just going to have him do the wildcat thing he's been doing? I don't know. Which one's better to be quite honest. I don't know. That's still to be determined too. 
Yikes. Uh, we, what, let's let's stay in the NFC, I guess, for one more here. Um, Seahawks Lions is also happening here. Yeah. What what are these NFC matchups this week? Let me tell you, this this morning slate's not great. Okay, I'm gonna be oh. I'm gonna be honest with you. We're trying to get through this here. Oh my goodness! <laughs> if you didn't have brain damage after watching Tua, you're gonna have brain damage after the early slate. You know, here's the thing. Um, you know, Seattle kind of got like every everybody was very excited for football and very excited for week one and they had the monday night game where they came out and they beat russell wilson and everybody was you know obviously geno smith wasn't writing to anybody that type of thing everybody was so excited media darling and you know i just think the more i think about it in in a few short years here the seattle seahawks have really gone from you know this intimidating team in the league, you know, you had the Legion of Boom and everything like that. And now the only thing the Seattle Seahawks remind me of is the American Legion because it's a bunch of veterans. Oh. It's a bunch of veterans sitting around talking about old war stories. And that's about that's about all they got right now. There's not a whole ton going on. And man. I just I think they're getting rolled, man. I just I don't see it going for them. That's a, that wow. Put Pete Carroll in a home is what you're saying, basically. I mean, he's old enough. Yeah, he can he can still move though. He can still move. Man, Pete Carroll was so old that if he was in New York at the beginning of COVID, he'd probably be dead. Oh boy! Whoa! Whoa! Okay. Anyway, anyway, wow. I guess the Lions. I'll take them. They're. I mean, Swift is hurt. Amon Ross banged up. Their playmakers aren't looking too healthy, but that being said, Seahawks outside of DK don't scare me. So by default, I guess I'm going to pick the Lions. That scares me there. Um, Adam, a couple AFC games, a couple AFC games in the early window. We'll, we'll crank out here. Jet Steelers battle of one and two teams. Ah. Is Mitch Trubisky the the answer, or is Zach Wilson in his debut? I believe he is starting this weekend for the first time. Is he going to come back and, uh, you know, is he going to be a second round or a second overall pick? Maybe. I don't know. You know what, Bob? Um, I think you're burying the lead in this game because there's something more important than football to consider watching these two teams line up. And as my hero Greta Thornburg says, how dare you? Because these two teams, carbon emissions are absolutely <laughs> off the charts. And it is ridiculous. <laughs> Whether it is the steel production in the city of Pittsburgh or the jet fuel that is expended by the New York football jets, I am telling you that this game is bad for the environment. It's bad for me. It's bad for my <laughs> eyes. I don't want to watch it. But because I do a podcast, I am going to. It's the sacrifices we make for our listeners, Adam. <sighs> This is one of those games, man. What about it? It has all the, I mean, all the sex appeal of a Big Ten game. I mean, it just needs Beth Mowens. It needs Beth Mowens calling this game. That would be the only thing more appropriate than what is that? You are looking at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Welcome everybody to the Big Ten on CBS. It would be spectacular. Spectacular. Just a chef's kiss, as far as announcing goes. You know. Speaking of Big Ten offenses, we got Ryan Tannehill versus Matt Ryan in the battle of the AFC South. And, Ad, I've got some thoughts, but go ahead and get yours out of the way before I black out here. Well, I think we all know that what's going to happen. I mean, 
it's a good thing that this game's not in Nashville because otherwise, you know, Matt Ryan, that party animal, would probably show up half in the bag, bringing in, bringing in three girls back from Broadway into Nissan Stadium. So thank God this one's in Indy. But, um, I, you know, Bob, I don't have enough in me to pick against the Titans here. I think the Titans need a win. Um, it's Colts week. It means more. I don't have the testicular fortitude necessary to pick against your Titans. So you have the floor, Bob. Tell me what you think of this game. I wouldn't have done this podcast if you had picked the Colts. I would have straight up left. I've, I've already left once in this one. I'm, I, I would have cut my internet again, folks. You watch me. Matt Ryan fucking sucks. Let me just point blank say that. All respect. Great quarterback at his time. But that team is not not good on offense. I don't know if Darius Leonard's actually playing this week. I need to check. That's probably something that I should have probably looked into here. I know he's missed the last couple weeks here. But regardless, that team is just, you know, I, I the Titans are the exact same as the Colts, except they're, I think they have a couple more playmakers on offense when you come down to it. No, that's fair. I mean, I think and they're a quarterback. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you have to like what you saw from the Titans last week to really come out to that hot start. Hopefully, they put an entire game together because if so, maybe they I scored mean, in the second half. Just a thought. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, uh, I think Indy's coming off of a big win. Um, you know, I just see it as a little bit of a letdown spot coming for beating the Chiefs. I think it's hard to say it's a letdown spot with obviously you're coming in division rival, but. Big win. Um, I think they believe they've righted the ship. I think we're going to find out that that may not be the case, but I guess we'll have to see. That ship that got righted is the Titanic. Let me tell you what. But regardless, Bob, regardless. Didn't the are, is the iceberg the playoffs? You know what? It could be. The iceberg could be Jacksonville for Indianapolis. Or you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We all have trauma. All right. Well, near or far, where's the next game that we're going to cover? You know, Ad, we we got two more in the early window. Let's do the AFC one. There's there's two really good games still left in the early window here. We've saved the best for last. Bills Ravens, pretty damn good here. Oh, yeah. Pretty damn good. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, going to be some points, going to be a lot of talent on the field. And uh, I don't even want to pick a side here. I think Buffalo probably leans here, but – wouldn't be surprised if Lamar has the game of the year and then, you know, starts to fall away the rest of the year, but, you know, shows up for the big game. You know, I uh, I like Baltimore in this game. I, I They're at home. Um, I really like what I saw last week for, for them against Patriots, just the way that they were able to control the game. There were spots of that game where the Patriots looked like they uh, may have been able to crawl back into it, but one way or another, the Ravens found a way to control the clock, control the game. Their defense found a way to get off the field. Their offense found a way to make sure they were scoring. I, I like the way this Ravens team looks right now. I think the Bills, I mean, those late-game mistakes in Miami, I think they'll stick around for a little bit. Um, I, I, I really could see them dropping this one. Um, but like you said, a ton of offense in this one. This is one that I definitely have earmarked to make sure I watch. I'm definitely I'm, – I'm going to lean the Bills just because the roster talent, you know, I think if you force Lamar Jackson into some passing situations, they can feast on him there especially if they rotate that D-line. If Ed Oliver comes back this week, definitely something to watch. Um, Adam, the one game left we haven't talked about in the early slate is probably the game of the week as far as at least records go. 
the AFC South leading Jacksonville Jaguars, two and one from Duval County, are going to go to Philadelphia to take on the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Your Philadelphia Eagles, my friend, getting six and a half against the Jags. We're about to find out if the Jags are real or not. Yeah, uh, I think I'm excited to see um, what's going to happen here. The Eagles obviously have looked good. I, uh, I've i been super high on them, very excited to watch this game. Uh, yeah, just, you know, Jacksonville, man. Uh, this is what I like to call every year. You know, whenever, whenever Jacksonville and Philadelphia have the pleasure of uh, gathering in order to play a football game, it seems as if we've really got a, you know, the game on the field, but – the real competition is in the stands because we've got ourselves a real scumbag Super Bowl here, Bob. We have two of the scummiest fan bases in football coming together for a week four <laughs> matchup that I don't think there is a gap store with enough jean shorts to outfit the fans at this game. I, there will be jean shorts. Not a single 20-pound bag of ice will be paid for in the Philad- greater Philadelphia area for any of these tailgates. The municipal lot, I, enter at your own risk because let me tell you, I, I don't know what's going to go on, but – you can't imagine that the city of Jacksonville and the city of Philadelphia's tailgates are going to be a very safe place to be, especially with the birds riding high at 3-0 at home. Ever so, seen Mad Max? That's what that parking lot's going to look like. Oh, my gosh. Just a post-apocalyptic world where they're not searching for dry land. They're searching for rolling rocks. Let Every week as I live, I die, I live again. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. Um this will be an interesting one. I think the Eagles will handle them, to be honest with you. Um, I think the Eagles really have something clicking. I don't think they'll ever lose a football game again. Um, go Birds. Doug Peterson revenge game, just saying. Something yeah, Doug, to keep in mind there. Nah, Doug Peterson's visor doesn't work in Philly. Uh, did that, he won you a Super Bowl. He won you a Super Bowl. Just saying. Let's just say that there is a very specific man who wears number nine and is number nine that won us that Super Bowl, if you catch my drift, Bob. Big Dick Nick. Oh, yeah, him. Okay, fair. That guy, nine-inch Nick. Well, on that note, the afternoon slate. We've only got three games in the afternoon slate. I hate when the NFL balances it shitty like this, but regardless, we do have a couple games. (laughs) They're not... I'll be honest, they're not great afternoon games, but they are games. Cardinals-Panthers, a battle of one and two teams with quarterbacks that probably don't love playing football. Um, Add thoughts here? (laughs) Does anyone really care to win this game, or are they just trying not to look like a loser? I mean, to be honest, this feels like a game that you and your friends play with house rules where you just hit three randoms. This feels like the only reason that these two teams would be together. Um, We're going to have two pretty small quarterbacks out there. So pull out your telescopes if you're in the crowd. Um, Yeah, not neither guy can be too happy to be playing football right now. Um, I like the Cardinals to bounce back. I think, um, you know, at this point, losing to the Rams doesn't even phase them. So I really think uh, I really think the Cardinals are going to bounce back strong in this one. Um, Carolina really hasn't given me anything to be very excited about and Matt rule still looks terrible. I do agree with that. And yeah, Matt rule might drop on the sideline, but that being said, Carolina has the better defense and you know, if they harass Kyler Murray and make him do some erratic stuff, which 
is Kyler Murray's MO, I actually think Carolina's going to win this football game. I do, just because I think the Cardinals are just going to be on the downward slide of this year. I think this is the year that the, the Cliff era just kind of hits that wall and they kind of start to regress. And like I said, it's just something about that team they're lacking. I don't know if it's Hart, if it's a playmaker, if it's a leader, but it just, I don't know. Not yeah. my kind of team. Well, I guess there's the one thing. At least we know Kyra Murray will probably be in a good mood because uh, the new Call of Duty beta uh, turns out it has a grenade that you can throw through walls. So no more campers in Call of Duty, Bob. So Kyra Murray's got to be pretty excited about that. Oh, my Atlanta. Oh. oh, no, no, no. He doesn't play in Atlanta. It's Arizona. Arizona, Bob. He's the Cardinals quarterback. One day Kyler's going to listen to this pod and think that we hate him. And it's kind of true. It's kind of true. <laughs> I mean, we don't hate him. It's just we hate the idea of Kyler Murray. Like, it's not you. It's me. It's definitely us. I mean, it's definitely. It's, it's me, he, Kyler. It's he, me. Yeah, he's just not my quarterback. It, it, no. Not, no. He's not my quarterback. Not, hashtag not my quarterback. I guess we'll move on. Patriots, Packers. This game was cool 10 years ago. It's Mac Jones versus Aaron Rodgers now. I, I have no reason to think that the Packers do not handle the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see that, you know, even with the Brady-Belichick split, that uh, the NFL is going to go ahead and honor the custody arrangement and let, you know, Bill go and have his visitation rights in Green Bay after Tom was there last week. You know, it's really good to see the NFL just kind of making these things happen. You know, it, it, it's, it warms your heart, you know, to see that the co-parenting that from the Brady and Belichick split. But, yeah, not a lot exciting about this one. Um I think Aaron Rodgers is finding a little bit more of a groove with his receivers. Um, to be honest with you, Aaron Rodgers has to get over himself. He's had a lot of receivers that can catch the ball and are pretty talented. He just feels like he can't trust them. And at some point, shoot from the hip, big dog. Just let it rip. I mean, you're Aaron Rodgers. Trust your arm talent. Throw it where only your receiver can catch it and make them prove to you that they can't catch. Don't make them prove to you that they can catch the ball. They're NFL wide receivers. They can catch the football. No, I, I agree with you. I At some point, that, that offense has got to take the next step. They, they can't use that Devontae Adams excuse anymore. They, they they just they can't. No. This game's at Lambeau, right? It is. It is. You know, got to thinking about this one, Bob. Because obviously, you know, Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi, you know. Do you think Belichick walks into Green Bay and just kind of takes a look at all the the Vince Lombardi stuff and in the same way that Rodgers is like, I own you, to the Chicago Bears? That's what Belichick feels every time he walks in, sees Lombardi. He's like, I own you. Can you, can you see that just walking in in the hoodie, just like, ah, where are my, where are my rings? <laughs> I mean. I'm sure, I'm sure if you tried to do that to some cheeseheads that you would be viciously beaten down in the parking lot. Oh, 100%. I mean, like, not, they're very friendly people, but I feel like that is on-site on violence. That's the, that's like fighting words, though, when you talk about Lombardi, I feel like. That's that's the kryptonite there. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, those truly are fighting words. Bart, or Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi, those are the two fighting words. Amen. Or two fighting phrases, I guess. But um, Speaking of fighting phrases, uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos are going to lead a mission trip to the parking lot for Raiders fans, I hear, before the game, but... You know, uh, Broncos Raiders is also the afternoon game, and uh, the Raiders have to win a game at some point, right? I'm just gonna say it. 
pre- they're not that bad. At the pre like, at the preseason, this game was circled on everybody's calendars. Is oh, we're yeah. gonna figure something out about this AFC West. What a division! And <laughs> it's been awful. I mean, one of these things. I don't know how this game's gonna go. You're right. The Raiders are due for a win, um, but. I mean, it's such a crapshoot with the Broncos lately that you really never know what you're going to get. Is this the week that the Broncos will figure things out? I have not a clue. Um, I am going to reluctantly take Vegas in this game. It's a crapshoot. Well, I mean, if there's any city that you take in a crapshoot, it's Vegas. I mean, that's for sure. I don't think Russell Wilson's a gambling man, so he would not want to be in the 50-50 shot. So, uh, look. There's something about that Broncos team. They're two and one, but they haven't really felt like they've clicked in any of these games. The Raiders feel desperate. They turned it on in the second half against Tennessee last week. I just feel like a hungrier team in a position like this is the one to pick. Yeah, you know, no. you know hungry dogs I, I, run faster. It's what they say. And look, Derek Carr, he, he plays this Jekyll and Hyde his whole career. Where some days he looks like he's a top five quarterback, some days he looks like he has no business being a starter. Which one's going to show up on Sunday? That's that's really the game. Can he find Waller? Can he get that rapport with Adams? And if so, it's going to be a long day for the Broncos. But, you know, Cor- or uh, not Cortland Sutton. Um, goodness gracious, the cornerback that they drafted from Alabama last year. Cannot remember his name now. Blanking out. Um, Sertain. Patrick Sertain. There you go. He's only allowed like 10 yards in the last like couple games. Like, he's, he's unbelievable. If they put him on Devontae Adams, it's going to be a fun matchup. Can we talk about the absolute moment of terror I had when you were trying to throw it to me to identify a defensive back? Yeah, I know better than that. I Bob, know better than that. That's Bob, like me, a baseball player. Not happening. Bob, to tell you that I was ill-equipped to explain to you. I, I know better. I know better. Brother. No, I do. I know better. That's on me. That's, yep, that's poor planning. Yep, that's on you. You got to know your well, co-host at some point. Ad, we've got one more game left. We'll be probably doing the post game on it on Sunday night. Chiefs, Bucks, Brady, Mahomes. NBC is probably going to overhype this to the moon and back, but uh, two decent two and one teams. The Chiefs coming off a, a rough loss against the Colts, but I have no reason to think that they're going to take any step back this week. I think they're going to roll against Tampa, even against a great defense. So, I mean, my question for you here when I was thinking about this game was. How hard do we overreact to the Chiefs losing the, to the Colts? I mean... I would not. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, there's too much talent. Um, Tampa Bay is missing too much. Kansas City has an abundance of talent. Um, it will take an all-time Tom Brady game management performance, and the Bucks defense is going to have to be lights out, which they have the potential to do, but... I mean, that's really the only way that they're going to win this game. I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see which receivers are back for Brady, what weapons he'll have available for the game. But yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think this one's going to be too interesting. I think the Chiefs, unless the, unless the perfect scenario goes down for the, uh, for the Bucks, I, I really like the Chiefs in this one. On a side note, really good to see that uh, they, you know, with all the uh, with all the storms trouble and stuff like that, with Hurricane Ian down in uh, down in Florida and Tampa, they are going to be able to play this game in Tampa still. So you know, not a not a ton of damage to the stadium. They made that determination today. Um, I think it's a good thing for that community, you know, to kind of dust itself off a little bit after, you know, such a any time a natural disaster or something like that affects an area. I mean, 
you really you really hope that you start to see the best of communities. And I think, you know, it goes without saying, but um, obviously we here at the Breaking Balls podcast, obviously thoughts and prayers to all the people affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, really cool to see that picture of all the linemen that were waiting to go in to, you know, make sure power is back and running in Florida. But as far as the football game goes, Bob, I, uh, I don't think Tampa is going to have much success on the field. Yeah, yeah, just – I don't know. Just one of those things. I think Tampa's just kind of overmatched in this one. I think Kansas City, they're going to look at this one a little bit more than I think Tampa is. Whether it's the the circumstances of the week or just the matchup there, I think that they're going to be juiced up and ready to go for Patrick Mahomes. They lost them two years ago in the Super Bowl. I don't think they've forgotten that either. I don't either. And, you know, I, 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 you can't underestimate the toll that it's taking on this, uh, on this Tampa team. Obviously they've been practicing in Miami all week away from home, away from their families for Tom Brady. That may be a good thing, but for the rest of the bucks, they're probably out of their routine a little bit, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily in sync. So I guess we'll have to see how this one goes, but good that they're playing the game in Tampa, in my opinion. No, definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, a lot of stinkers in the NFL this weekend on paper, which means it's going to be a great weekend. That's yeah. usually how it goes. Yeah, amen. I mean, it's always the weekends that you don't expect. So I'm excited. Buckle up. Um, you know, I guess before we get to Sunday, though, um, you know, there's a couple games on Saturday that got a couple ranked matchups that look pretty interesting, Bob. Yeah, you know, you got that early morning matchup. Kentucky will miss right away at the Grove. That's you know, two really good quarterbacks with uh, Jackson Dart, Will Levis. First-round talent with Levis probably at Kentucky. Dart's still got a couple years before he comes out, but, you know, Lane Kiffin building the build the program out there in Oxford. I, I'm going to be honest here, Ad, this is a big game for Kentucky. A lot of people think that, you know, they're legit this year, ranked eighth. I think they're frauds, personally. And this is one of those games, you know, if they come out and they, they whoop Ole Miss or they, you know, come out and at least handily win that game, I'll eat my words. But I I think we're going to find out that Kentucky's probably not as good as we think they are with just relying on too many freshman receivers and just – no, I don't think they have the horses for Lane. You know, I agree with you a little bit there, Bob. I think Kentucky, you know, they do have fraud. They do have a lot of fraud to them. They do have a lot of getting lucky and things like that. But I'm just going to say it. I think I think there's a bigger fraud in this game, and it's Ole Miss. I think, you know, Lane has been building something, but all year you look at their schedule. They played close with Tulsa. I mean, I think they played Troy, but they really haven't been tested all year. This Kentucky team, I mean, they've played some tough games. They went into Florida and won. And I I just think they're a little bit more battle tested than Jackson Dart and Ole Miss right now. So, yeah, Kentucky may be frauds in the grand scheme of things, but I think the bigger fraud in this game is Ole Miss. So I like Kentucky. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I like the road team in the early morning games, too. That's always something to watch there. But Gotta get frisky. It's frisky, but I just, I don't know, something about the Cats this weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll always take Lane Kiffin at, uh, at home. Just, you know, something in the soul. But a couple more games here, Ad. I mean, what 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 one jumps out to you here? Uh, Bama, Arkansas, probably? Is that one of them there? I mean, yeah, of course. Alabama, Arkansas. I sure love my mom and pa. I mean, what a game we got going on. I mean, not I mean, not the way that I do love you, Bobby, but this one's gonna be good. I think uh, you know, Alabama has not been as solid in their front seven as they have been in the past in this year. I think you watched them kind of get pushed around a little bit against Texas. Um, the one thing Arkansas does very, very well is run the football and they're big physical offensive linemen. So 
it will be very interesting to see how Alabama handles this test because I think they are one of the teams that can challenge them up front. That being said, Alabama's got too much firepower. I don't think Arkansas wins this game, but will be a fun game to watch in the trenches. No, I, I'm with you there. I, you know, Alabama's a great team. They're going on the road because Arkansas is at home. Let me go home. Home is wherever I'm with you. All right, sorry about that. Anyway, uh, just you got the Alabama Arkansas stuck in the hat. I mean, Damn it, Adam! It's, it's perfect. It's one of those it's, things. It's, it only it's happens. Great. It only happens every you know every few years here, and it's just one of those games that jumps out at the schedule of me every year. I love saying it. I just I you know Arkansas has got to, the beef up front to to hang with Bama, but I don't think they have the the horses out wide. I just you know I think Alabama's got the athletes. I think they're going to force KJ Jefferson into some tough situations and make him uncomfortable on defense. And, you know, are you really going to pick Sam Pittman to beat Nick Saban? Because I'm sure as fuck not. Yeah. Pardon my French. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, I mean, you don't get rich betting against Nick Saban. And I guess we'll leave it at that. Not at all. Not no. at all. Um, I guess the other interesting game uh, that we are looking at, a uh, couple teams usually have some pretty explosive offenses. Uh, we're headed down to Waco. It's going to be Oak State versus OK State at rank number nine versus 16 Baylor in Waco. What do you think, Bob? Oh, it's going to be a siege down in Baylor, baby. Uh, I, You know, look, this is a big game for the Big 12. Uh, you look at the pecking order, especially with Oklahoma losing last week to K-State. Uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor right back in the thick of this race. If you know, even if they lose one, they they have that kind of card with Oklahoma losing to a team that wasn't them. So you know, wide open race for the pecking order early on. Both these teams feel like they have a shot to win the Big Twelve. I personally think Oklahoma State. You know, Mike Gundy just he's got that program there. Spencer Sanders is the better quarterback. I just not going to pick against Oklahoma State. I am. Um, yeah, okay. I, I like Baylor at home here. I think uh, I think that home field advantage is enough. That place is going to be rocking early in the morning. Big matchup. Um, yeah, I think I think OK Oaks. I always call them OK State because I think they're OK. But um, <laughs> old Oak State, baby. Um, yeah, I just don't think uh, I don't. I I can't even necessarily give you the script for why I think Baylor is going to win the game. Other than I just think the home field advantage, Big Twelve energy. I just see this one getting into a little bit of a shootout, and I think that style of game fits Baylor a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's fair. You got the defensive coach too. I mean, you know, Dave Koresh Aranda, he's just not too bad at you know shutting down offenses when it needs to. And I, I, I don't know. It's going to be a fun game though. This is one of those that could go back and forth. I think you're going to see some points when you don't expect it, like you said. And uh, I. One of those that's going to be sneaky, I think, on the calendar to watch. Yeah, I think, you know, the offenses really have a strong chance of gassing things up in Waco and really setting this game ablaze. I mean, I I just could really see this one taking off like a structural fire. It's going to get pretty crazy out there. I wonder if people have caught on to us yet. Nope. All right, well. <laughs> Before we're on an FBI list, is there any other games here, Ad, that jump out to you? Uh, NC State Clemson. NC State's ranked number 10. They're going into uh, beautiful South Carolina to play Clemson, uh, ranked number 5. Speaking of frauds, uh, I think Clemson's absolutely a fraud. I think NC State's going to play them tough. Um, I don't think the oh shit game will be enough for Clemson to overcome them. I really like NC State on the road. Road dogs, let's eat. 
No, I mean, Dave Clawson's got that, that Wolfpack program rolling. You know, Leary, the quarterback, is, is a stud. He's probably going to be a drafted quarterback, if not a day one quarterback. Um, people are going to learn that this team is not a joke. I would not be shocked if they went into the Death Valley. But that being said, I just it's it's so hard to pick against Clemson at home in a conference game. Like you said, against Nick Saban, betting against him is not profitable. Betting against Dabo Sweeney in conference at home, not profitable historically. So no matter what, I'm just going to pick the Tigers and be safe here. I know it's boring, but I'm a boring guy, Adam. I don't know what you want from me. That's just simply not true, Bob, but that pick is a little boring, we do have to say. Um, speaking of a little bit of a boring game, but something we're going to mention, um, ASU is going to the beautiful Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in lovely South Central Los Angeles to visit Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. Uh, Bob, I don't think they're going to struggle with ASU at all here. Just wanted to mention it because, damn, USC's kind of knocking on the door. They're looking a little impressive, Bob. It, uh, you know, it's crazy the how quick they turned it around. You literally, in a span of weeks, got the quarterback and coach that, you know, most programs would kill for in a decade, and they got them within weeks of each other. So uh, things are turning around real quick down in South Central LA, and, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, the Herm Edwards-less Sun Devils have much of a shot here, to be quite honest. Yeah, no, um, just too much turmoil around that ASU uh ASU locker room, every everything that's going on. But, oh, my goodness, if those ASU students make their way out to USC to be in one of those bars on Saturday night, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure no it's going to be place. lively. No drunker place, ladies and gentlemen. No drunker place. Well, Ad, we got our medical degree after this episode. I think at least we unlocked the notification for the badge. But, um, you know, a lot to cover here. We've got a big weekend. I think Sunday night's going to be interesting to see where the cards lay. But um, any final thoughts here? No, nothing too crazy. Just, uh, you know, we just got to sit back, relax, and let this all unfold. Hopefully we get a decent week of uh, decent week of football, good racing. Hopefully everybody in the NASCAR race stays nice and safe, knock on wood. And, yeah, man, I'm excited to come back on Sunday and break it all down with you. It's Talladega week, baby. Let's get it. I'm excited. Yeah, try over. a break. Let's clap it up for Dega. Dega, Dega, Dega. Dega. Episode 14 of Breaking Balls, everyone. Enjoy the restrictor plate racing this weekend, and I hope your bets hit. I hope your team wins, and if you're Matt Ryan, good fucking luck.